everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life. Because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. That's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. You can find Author Magazine at authormagazine.org, and we are funded by the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. You can learn more about the PNWA, pnwa.org. Today's guest, uh, speaking of writing organizations, today's guest, Kay Kenyon, lovely woman, friend of mine, and part of the sort of writing teaching community here in the Northwest, um, runs something called Write in the River, Write on the River, over in Wenatchee, Washington, Eastern Washington. Uh, I've had the pleasure of teaching there, and uh, it was just great. I was so glad to have Kay back on the show, where we got to talk about a bunch of things, including the fact that this is a woman who has published 16 novels now, science fiction and fantasy, and well, she's just taken her first foray into independent publishing, so that was part of, a, part of our conversation, and, uh, and it was a good one. It was a good one indeed, of course. And as I said, Kay is a science fiction and fantasy novelist and writing teacher. And her work has been shortlisted for the Philip K. Dick Award and twice for the American Library Reading List Award. Uh, she teaches fiction at conferences around the Pacific Northwest and has just published her 16th book, The Girl Who Fell Into Myth. And so here it is, my conversation with the wonderful Kay Kenyon. Enjoy. All right. It's good. I've got Kay Kenyon back on the show. Kay, how are you doing? I am doing well, Bill. It's so great to see you. Yeah. And that you're still doing author to author after I all know. these years. That's I just, know. I it's, still... uh, you don't give up. I'm glad. <laughs> I well, you know, here's my theory. If I'm still having fun, I'll keep doing it. And I'm still yeah. enjoying it. So here I am. Right. That's a that's a, a really good idea to test things that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I yeah, you know, I always said that I worked in restaurants for years, uh, as I've written about and talked to them about. And I said to my wife at one point, I was like, OK, I know how to make a living doing something I don't want to do. Now, let's that was one part of my life. Now, let's see about do living the life that I actually want to live. So if I'm not having fun, I don't want to do it. But you, my dear, uh, things are always changing. I got. To, I had the pleasure of staying with you in your house uh, there on those on the other side of the mountains here in Washington State, Wenatchee. But it was a gorgeous house. But you've moved, downsized a little bit. Things are always changing. Things are always changing for you. Uh, you got a new book out. Wait, and and book number what? What number are we on? Can you do you have it on? Yeah. The top of your... Well, uh, sixteen. <laughs> wow. Wow. Book number sixteen. Yeah. Do you remember when book number one got published? Oh, in great detail. <laughs> yeah. When was that? Uh, 1998, you, 97. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And you had had, a, and you had, we're not going to dwell on this because we've talked about it before, but you were a singer. Yeah. You had, you'd had some. No, of, no. What am I using you with somebody? I'm sorry. <laughs> 
What were you, okay, there was some, you had a life before books. Yes, was, I was actually a transportation planner for a musician. Not a singer? <laughs> what the hell? Okay. Yeah, well, I was a big environmentalist and I got into transportation planning to push uh, alternative modes than single occupancy driving. So uh, that's, my background is, hey, you know. I, I have a theory now. I have, I've just come up with a theory about you at this moment. And I like to connect the dots, oh. which is city. I mean, it's not quite city planning, but it's in the realm of city planning, right? Yes. Where, and you are a speculative fiction writer. This is certainly where you have you have my fantasy speculative fiction. And of course, speculative fiction and fantasy requires world building. Was to some degree your interest <laughs> in city planning the sort of nascent desire for the fantasy world builder? Is it possible? Oh, it's brilliant, Phil. I never thought of it that way, but it's world building. It's it's imagining uh, worse societies and better ones, and mixtures yeah. of both. And and you know, what are the pieces that come together to create a world? And yeah. certainly, certainly, city planning has those elements. It's a little bit of a stretch, but I got to. I know. It. I, 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 it is. Gold you know, star that one. Yeah. I, I always feel like we're always. That our 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 imaginations will let us find will find the path of least resistance to let us explore what we're interested in, and if it has to start with something super practical like city planning and eventually become fantasy novels, well, it'll take the route that's available to you. So I, I'm going to stick by that. I'm going to stick by that. Uh, all right. So uh, book number sixteen. The Girl Who Fell Into Myth. This is a brand new series. Yeah, this, this is your you're playing this as the first in a series. Yeah. Talk to me about why you wanted to start a new series. Like, what was, like, what, why not just keep doing what you're doing? Okay, why shake it up? All right, so half of my work is standalone and half of it is in series. Uh, and when I decided to uh, finally move completely over from science fiction to fantasy. I was in uh, a part of the industry that thrives on series. And yeah. so I, I just kind of thought, well, let me try another series. I had one in the past, uh, um, 2017, um, uh, that was a trilogy. And this is a quartet. This is a quartet. Oh, I think if you're going to be in fantasy, uh, you're you're well advised to try out a series because fantasy readers love to return again and again oh, to a world that transports them. I did when I was a big fantasy reader. Oh, that's just what I wanted. I expected yeah. it. Okay, yeah. one book—that's insane. But um, yeah, so this is my third um, series, actually. Yeah. But yeah. you do standalone. So talk to me about what when you're approaching a new project. If you know it's going to be a series, if you kind of decide, do you usually decide before you start or do you start the thing and say, Ooh, I think this actually has some legs. No, no, Bill, you don't understand. I'm a planner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. You're a planner. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so sure. And uh, how do you decide whether it can be a series? Yeah. Is, you know, I was going to say, you got to think about it. Like if, if you're yeah. someone who's imagining like, I know in television, planning a sitcom, the way you think about it is one way. Whereas if you're making a movie, you think about it totally no, differently, right? Certainly. And so, in a, in a way, you've got to you've got to plan out the number of books, you yeah. know. But if it takes off and 
someday you'll be on number 14. <laughs> right, right. Then then you have to keep extrapolating from there. But but uh, most people just write trilogies. And right. uh, you have to have three books in mind, I think, to uh, convince yourself there's enough there, there. Yeah. Right. So what? let me ask you this. Why? See, if, if someone met you, they might not first say fantasy writer. I think there's an image of the fantasy writer. Long flowing dresses, lots of <laughs> tattoos. I don't know. Actually, I don't know. But that's not what Ursula K. Le Guin looked like. But what was it that drew you to fantasy, to speculative fiction, when you when you first got into it? Um, I loved the escape into um, a strange world. It, yeah. As a child, it, your imagination allows you to believe it's real. And yeah. as long as we keep that within us, then we can love fantasy our whole lives. Yeah. Yeah, and when you write it, you have in 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 the writing of it, it kind of has to be real to you. I mean, you can't really write it convincingly if there isn't some feeling of realness to it as you as you picture it. Yeah, right. And one way you do that, if if your fantasy world is very weird, then you make sure you're anchored in character. Ah, with a stranger right. in the strange land, it's very weird, but we are grounded because this is a human being right. saying how did I get here and what am I supposed to do? Right, right. Uh, so, um, but I, I do think that, especially in the kind of fantasy I'm writing with this series, that is called high fantasy. Um, uh, it's a familiar world. It's medieval. And so uh, your, your readers are already conditioned to love it and to be there. Um, and then your job as an author is to make it strange at the edges so that... right something new about it that keeps people interested in just the milieu of course you have to be interested in the character and the plot but yes. just because fantasy readers partially come for the world you have to give them something that is somewhat familiar to them right twisted yeah. in a few ways and so do you um because the last series i remember we talked about was kind of a world war ii based wasn't it Yes. Yeah, right. Yeah, the dark talents. Yeah, so. yeah. It was sort of espionage with para so, so, with paranormal ability. Right, right, right. So, so that was the speculative fiction part of it. Well, it was an alternate history right. of the run up to World War II. But so middle middle age, you know, classic high fantasy has people with swords and dragons and the, but but the, but it's rooted in in European medieval in the our image of European medieval times, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, were you interested in that time? Are you personally like curious about that time and place yes. and the way they lived and all the rest? Well, yes. Um, I've I, I love medieval history, especially um, European and English, um, and so it's a natural love. Uh, and a lot of mythologies that. We treasure today's came from those cultures, although there are mythologies from across the world. And my take on this was that let's say those mythologies fled the earth long time ago because of persecution, let's say, right. or because of a certain uh, uh, inimical uh, problem with machines that See, yeah. caused magic to drain away. Right. So they fled the world and then they arose again. And that's why I call this series The Arisen Worlds. 
because they arose again in alter worlds. And my heroine falls into this alter world called the mythos that is comprised of the mythologies of the old earth, dozens of them. So this is great. And so I, I assume that, well, you know what? I could be wrong, but that to some degree, this series began with that question that, or your own sort of daydreaming around the question of myth and real and myths and what if they fled in their collision. Was that where it sort of started or was it with a yeah, character? No, it, or? Started, it started with that. Exactly. And, and then I was wondering, well, if they fled that long ago and now they're in this alter world that's kind of connected to the earth, but separate, how would they have changed? Would they have evolved? Right. And, right. Uh, you know, and of course they did. So um, for instance, this is where witches went right. when there was all that persecution. And when they saw their powers fading because of machines and, right. and so are they going to be the kind of witches you expect or are they going to have evolved? So I'm taking these myths and uh, transforming them a little bit, but right. not so much as that people will say, well, wait a minute, <laughs> you right. can't do that. <laughs> right. You still want to feel like the myth that we you still know. want to You still right. want to feel the myth as grounding. Yeah. And so I'm interested in your writing process because I, I remember reading the book, um, the third, no, it was... Um, Oh God! It's, it was one. Of, it was a John Irving novel where like everybody was a novelist, and it was one. I can't remember which <laughs> the title now. But one of the characters we really get into the process of one of the characters who I think wrote like he did, which was just writing copious sort of free form thoughts, like why is he doing this and where are they going? And so it would kind of show the way the character wrote out her process to informing the story because he was an avid outliner. John Irving's an avid outliner. And so I was interested, like I was writing novels at that time. I thought, oh, that's an interesting way to go about it. So my question to you is that do you sit down just sort of sitting in a chair daydreaming? Do you pace around drinking tea? Or are you sitting down like writing out a bunch of notes? Like how do the how do you generate the thoughts? Because I just full disclosure, I just have to do it at the computer writing or I can't do anything. I can't do it freeform really. Right. <clears throat> well, I usually come up with concepts on walks, but when wow. I'm getting into the novel, I, I just work in a notebook or on, yeah. you know, on, on my computer because uh, you want to capture the thoughts that you have quickly and then pull them together as possible. Right. You know, so uh, I do a lot of, I, I do a lot of planning in my notebook. And I also, um, uh, after a certain point, I move directly into structure and say, does this book have three acts? Does it have four acts? Right. You know, Shakespeare wrote in five acts. Right. <laughs> so, right. you know, what are what is the progression of the uh of the plot through the the let's say in this case I used a four act structure. What is the progression of the plot? And that also tells you if you've got enough there because Right. In other words, does the conflict actually grow yeah. stages? Can I feel it growing? Can I feel it progressing? Or does it am I just adding am i just stretching this taffy so it fits into oh exactly bill that's right? exactly it and um you uh as you're working in structure you're not only working with how the plot changes you're working with how your character changes yeah you've yeah. got an arc for both of them yeah yeah and, you know it that arc ends at the climax right but what are the stages you go through and that that kind of structure 
helps you, keeps you from hitting the same notes over and over and over. There's a problem, and first she does this, and then she does this, and then she right. does it, and you know, and by page eighty, we're kind of bored because it's like right. we don't sense a movement. Right, right. And so, did you? How do you ever? Do you? How long do you give yourself sniffing around a project before before you dive all in and say, "No, I'm all in on this." You know, do you? Do you give yourself like a month to say, well, let's see if this is a real thing or not, or do yourself too? Like when, how much time do you need to know you've actually got a book when you have an idea? Um, do you think? Usually about a month. Month, and, okay. And what happens is if I can cast on major plot points through the structure, let's say five major plot points, then I know I've got a novel. Right. But- you know, at the inciting incident or the plot point one or whatever, right. then uh, I can fill that in and then another and another and another. And if I've got those four, and they're all turning points, it's where yeah. things hinge and move. And and if I can fill those in, then I start to write. If you can fill those in and you fill them in, you start to write. I know we've talked about this, but how often do you come to one of those plot points and you go, Actually, I got a better idea. <laughs> Hang oh, on. Sure. My character doesn't want to do like, does that happen very often with you? Yeah, almost never on the first plot point, but yeah. uh, you know, it's a default. You, yeah. you know, you could write it that way if right. it came to it. Uh, but as you move forward, then you realize, oh, that's not the climax. Um, this is. This is good. This is good. So, because I coach writers too, it's one of the things I do, and some of them outline, and I, I like talking to, because I'm not an outliner by nature, but I like talking to people who are because. What I always tell my clients or students who are in, not sure if they want to outline is even if you do it, be ready to change if if change seems apparent, if some inspired idea comes to you in the moment, right? Exactly. Some, but something comes along is better. In a way, you've got to plan it as though that would never happen. Right, right. Not only to save yourself the time of a novel that doesn't have enough in it, but right. also because you, you want to... Uh, defer to push away anxiety that what yes. am I doing? that's right you think that i can write 400 pages i i'm now scared <laughs> See, i like this you're honest Kay. i think that is a very honest assessment of why some people need to outline which is just as a kind of just to soothe their logical mind who thinks I can't just make this crap up. I need to have some plan. And the plan is good, but you you need something to soothe your sense of I can't just stumble into the wilderness without some kind of map. Right. And it's it's so wonderful to have the default outline. Yeah. As sure. long as as you say, you're willing to change it as you go. And when you learn more about your characters. This this arc of the character is also my arc of learning. That's right. That's right. That's right. The arc of you as a writer. Now, if you had, a, if you had, a, so you're in a new part of your, your, your writing relationship. You're a pro. You've been at this a while, 16 books. This is the first book you're doing aside from some compilations. That's indie, what we call indie published, which was, is an option, which is becoming ever more legitimized on many fronts. You and I, can remember when it was just not an avenue you'd ever choose. It just was so infeasible on so many levels. But you've decided to give it a whirl. Um, 
How do you feel? I mean, how are you feeling emotionally about that? Having been in the traditional, you know, big six world for so long, how do you feel about this? Terrified. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> no, You're terrified. I, yeah. Well, because yeah. everything that I, I've done for the four books, and by the way, book two is on pre-order. So I'm well. Wow. Into oh, good for you. Yeah. Already. It's called stranger in the twisted realm but anyway uh yep. as i'm saying um you you just have so much to learn the first book yeah. of of all the uh, retailers sites all the the sites that you will need as resources as you yep. go forward you're teaching yourself different kinds of marketing that you've never yeah. had to before because yeah. your publisher always handled it yeah or didn't or didn't <laughs> more more the case lately i have to say probably but so uh it's uh everything was new and i had yeah. a, you know, are you okay with that i mean it's you, i assume <laughs> look you're a smart person i assume you got some help a little yeah, bit I had yeah. lots of help and you know obviously most of them are are indie authors who knew right. how to do it and and so it's uh would have been impossible for me to do it by myself and yet places like amazon and the other e-retailers barnes and noble kobo yeah. you know they make it as easy as they can they do. For the author. They do. so uh uploading onto those platforms is really not the hard part the hard part is producing the book in formats yes and, and and then dealing with the world of promotion that's harder sure and that's why today is actually my pub day i know this this interview will come that's out right right but it's that's right well, this will be coming out shortly after so congrats but but still on um, this day i wake up in the morning and think what if I did it all wrong? Oh, you know, when I was I was a right. Simon and Schuster. I never woke up on pub day thinking, "What did they screw up?" No, oh. no, no. <laughs> didn't. You know, here's my. You didn't ask for it, but I'm gonna give you my, any advice because you're a creative person. You're a creative person, right? This is why I tell people who don't like who are terrified of marketing. It's like, look, you're a creative person, and the only way you're gonna enjoy the marketing this new phase is if you can bring your creativity to it. If you can see it as a creative act, see marketing. And the making of the book as a creative act, as opposed to just this, just like you don't know how to, you know, you had to learn how to write books. If you can look upon it as an as the journey of discovery and a, another way to express your creativity, I suspect you'll enjoy it more, as opposed to just trying to sort of get it right. Does that make sense? Well, yes, and it's very profound of you, but I'm not there yet. That's okay. <laughs> I, oh, you're just think, starting out. I, think I like I like your um, philosophy of. Well, could I call it joy? I mean, yes, yes, you may. Because you know, your sense of fulfillment, happiness, and joy is is a is the canary, you know. Yes, yes. In, yes. in the cave, and and uh, it tells you whether you are being authentic yes. or whether you're forcing. Yeah. So it pay attention. You. Pay and attention I to it. I wish I could say that in this new endeavor, I I have entered it in that kind of spirit, totally. Well, you'll, <laughs> you'll get used to it. Half, 50%. You know, I'm, 
I was not surprised when I heard you wanted to do this because when I when I come out and visit, I come out to teach at Right in the River. So by the way, Kay's been a part of a group called Right in the River, which put, has put on writers' conferences and classes. Wonderful organization over there on the other side of the mountains here in Washington. And you graciously had me come out there and I got to stay at your lovely house, meet your family. And it was a lot of fun, but you were a little irritated with your publisher at that time. I remember you were talking about it and I sensed that that irritation sometimes is the beginning of a change that needs to happen. And you may have been sowing the seeds of wanting something different, of not liking the relationship anymore. You know, kind of like sometimes the relationship just isn't working. And I've often thought with genre writers that, man, I don't know, they could kind of go, their readers are so voracious and eager. You, It's certainly romance. And I think certainly fantasy and speculative fiction, it's an easier fit than say, for what I do, I think, I think. Uh, because the nature of the reader. So I didn't think it was crazy when you told me that when I learned your interest in that, I thought it made sense giving you, given who you are and what you write. What do you think of that? Yeah, um, I, I think that's part of it, Bill, but also um, there's a certain weariness that creeps in with traditional publishing after a while when uh, you kind of long to have more control over things like cover. yeah promotion, things like that. And the, the the traditional New York publishers, they move very slowly and through a long process. And, and it's very hard to interdict anything along right. the way. And uh, th that, that sense of, well, I would have done it this way. Or couldn't we? And the answer is often, it's too late now, hon. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, so, right. Uh, there's a, a sense of, a, well, they're doing it for you and they do beautiful covers and they know how to do all yeah, this. Stuff yeah. They're so good at it. But after a few books, you start to think, could I have done that just this much oh, better? So you were, so you're already toying around with it. That's interesting. That's interesting. All right. You yeah. got the control. You got the control you wanted. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> no, I think well, it's you good. Know, I'm still a hybrid author. I mean, I, right. I, uh, my agent handles things like foreign sales and stuff like that. Oh, I've oh good. I've never get involved with in a million years. Right. And, uh, then my backlist, you know, is with publishers. So right. I'm still dealing with, with my old publishers uh, to a large extent. Um, but I, I'm trying out yeah, well, uh, something new. I, I think it's great. Okay. I think it's great. It's good. You know, you're, you're, you just, you're brave. I know you're scared, but you're brave. You're out there giving it a try and you got your head on straight. And I think you'll, I think you're going to be okay. I think you're going to be okay. People are going to love the book. You're All into right. this kind of stuff. You got it. <laughs> and if you're not, give it a try. Give it a try something new. People, she look at Kay. She's doing it. She's doing it. Oh. And the other thing is, you know, uh, go online, look at my book, look at yeah. the cover because it's so pretty. And then Gorgeous. go and look at book two cover. I mean, that's a wonderful cover as well. And oh, I, hey. I control the design of these. I didn't do them, but I, I was just back and forth and back and forth oh, with my and got exactly what I wanted. When I was, like I said, when I was a huge fantasy reader, covers made a huge difference to me. That was really telling me what I was getting into and whether I was going to it, 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 I would say at least 50% of my purchase was based on the cover. At least. Yeah. Covers are huge for fantasy readers. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, all right, Kay. Oh, it's always good to you talk to you. Hard questions now. You, you know, you're getting wound up to. No, no. 
I don't ask hard questions. I just have a conversation. That's okay. all I want to do. I just want to have fun. This is this is what I've come to in my dotage. That I, I just want to have some fun. And conversations are where I what I love most. In fact, I remember sitting with a friend who's my closest friend, and he's like, Bill, wouldn't it be great to just jump on our bikes? This was a few years ago. Go ride out on that hill and do that and do these things. And they were all fine. I was like, you know what, Chris? I really just like talking to people, I have to admit. Like, if I had a choice of anything I could do besides writing and, like, playing the piano or whatever, it's just talking to people. So that's my thing, Kay. And so I'm so glad I got to talk to you. But I'm not done with you just yet. Okay. So once again, The Girl Found the Myth. Uh, and we're all fine ebooks are sold, essentially. Or I, I don't know. I was probably going to get into some retail stores, too, yeah? Yeah, uh, it's out in paperback and hardcover. Um, you can get signed copies at yeah. a Book for All Seasons in right. in uh, Leavenworth, Washington. Yep. Yeah, um, and it's also on uh, all on online book retailers. Right, right. Go get it, people. Okay, but you know, I'm not done with you yet. I'm not done with you yet, Kay. I need you to answer this question. I probably asked you it before, but you know, the answer keeps changing keeps changing for people, which is if writing, all the writing you've done has taught you anything, it's taught you what? Oh, well. Man, that's a hard one. Taught me to let go. The planner had to learn to let go. I like it. How did it teach you that? Well, the industry is very competitive. Your books are like your babies, your children. Yeah. They go out in the world and sometimes they die. <laughs> and people say mean things. Yes. And sometimes <laughs> your 10th book has a really, really bad cover. I've had covers. <laughs> and, and so, and at the same time, I had my last series option for film. And I've I've had huge reviews in Kirkus and Publishers Weekly. So, right, you know, I'm I I have over time learned that if I don't want to be crushed by this stuff, then I can't go craving this stuff too much. So I just I'm trying to let each book unfold in me and unfold in the world however it happens i got it i like it i like it Kay. thank you so much this has been a lot of fun bill a pleasure that's right gotta let go people yeah you're not you know come on you're not in charge of that story not really let go. Let go and take the ride. That's how it works. That's how it works. I want to thank my producer, RJ Jeffries. Thank you, my friend. And thank you all of, our, all of you out there for listening. Just let go. Find something. You know what you got to do? You, as I always say, finding something you love to do, that's letting go. That's just being you. That's just being you. So do it. Be you. Go find something you love to do and do it. <laughs> 